and we are live. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Worldwide Wednesday podcast. I am your host, Sovereign. And I'm Shiny. And uh, not a lot to talk about today, but these topics are going to carry us all throughout the night because uh, we have a lot to say on each of them. Yes, we do. So, let's start out with the big one, our only media segment that we have for this week. It is going to be our review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Well, and we have strong opinions about it. To start out, this movie was a goddamn mess. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's start. Start out. So, I would just want to come out and say that the worst element of this movie was this movie's pacing. Like... The multiverse stuff really interrupts the plot so much in its progression. Like, at one point, the plot's moving pretty quickly, and I'm enjoying it, and then it halts, and then it goes, like, quicker again, and then halts again, and that does not make for a good movie experience, I'm just gonna say. Yeah, I kind of disagree. He feels that it started and dragged a lot. I felt that in some parts it was just too fast and needed to slow down. See, in the parts where it's fast, is like, okay, just stay consistent with it, and it doesn't for me. Really? Like, honestly, like, the stuff with the Illuminati is where, like, it starts to halt a lot, and then as soon as Wanda comes in, it, like, speeds up super quickly, and I'm like, there's no time to absorb anything that's going on, I'm sorry. This is not enjoyable and talking about the illuminati oh my god they were the least satisfying cameos i have ever seen in a marvel movie so for me personally i thought the pacing was too fast i thought things went by way too fast on a lot of things i also felt like for um one of the biggest things is that because the pacing went by so fast, we never got to truly enjoy or embrace the fact that we're in the multiverse right now. I felt that that was severely lacking like throughout this movie. This is called the Multiverse of Madness. And throughout this movie, we have our main Marvel Universe, Universe 838. We have the Sinister Strange Incursion Universe. And we have the Junction Station. That is... Mm -hmm. Four locations, and if you really, really, really want to stretch things, the dark dimension at the very end in the post credit scene. That's five locations. But of the ones that are plot relevant? But of the ones that are plot relevant, it's only four. And it sucks, to say the least. Like, we have our universe, which we're used to. 838 is the one that we spend the most time in, in terms of foreign areas. And there are differences. The architecture is different. The fashion is different. The fact that, like, um, red means stop and green... Red means go and green means stop. Um, all those things are there. But we have no frame of reference as to why that universe is the way that it is. It is very foreign, yet we are also supposed to feel there's a level of similarity to it to our universe, but it doesn't work in my opinion. Yeah. How does the existence of the Illuminati allow for that to be a thing? I mean, hell, we can't even confirm as if this is the same Captain Carter that we saw in What If? It's not. Which it can't be. No, the, it's confirmed because 
Captain Carter is supposed to be the main character of What If season two, and um, yeah, no. There's just no way that this is the same universe as the regular Captain Carter, especially because that Captain Carter encountered a variant of Wanda, the zombie Wanda. Yeah. And would not have done the same shit that she pulled off here. Yeah, I do want to just have a quick tangent about the Illuminati and how utterly useless they were. Before before you get to that, I do want to talk about just their premise in the story doesn't, like the premise of the Illuminati is really cool. In the comics, they are literally the team leaders of the most prominent teams and countries in the, on Earth in the Marvel Universe, and they basically handle threats before they're supposed to happen. This version of the Illuminati just seems like a glorified Avengers, which is really weird because we know the Avengers proper exists in their universe because Captain Carter is called the first Avenger. But this seems literally seems... Which also seems very weird considering Captain Carter is there as well. Yeah, so Cap- it's just... My biggest issue with the with 838 as a universe is that it doesn't make sense in the sense that what we're shown doesn't give us any idea as to why that universe is the way that it is. With What If and with Loki, we saw exactly why the universes that we ventured to were the way that way were. When we went to 2025 Louisiana, Roxxon Corporation became the de facto corporation and they're currently in a category 10 hurricane. That's why that area is so fucked. We are, when they went to that weird planet where the sky was falling, we found out why it was like that. And what if, okay, what if Captain Carter, what if Peggy Carter became Captain America or what if Doctor Strange? What if Christine died in the car accident instead of Doctor Strange losing his hands? We always got a premise to understand why the world that existed was there, and that kind of <clears throat> informed us about a lot of things about how that world works. Even with um, the one, the one where the Avengers are murdered by Hank Pym, it's because we learned that in this universe, um, Hope decides to stay with S.H.I.E.L.D., but not just stay with S.H.I.E.L.D., she goes on a mission that Black Widow would have went on and gets killed by the Winter Soldier. And that entirely influences how the how that universe progresses forward. Yeah. Because in a universe where the Winter Soldier kills <clears throat> Hope Van Dyne, Hank Pym becomes a villain and has the means, because he's a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, the means to kill the Avengers before they ever become prominent. But in this you know, but in this movie we don't get anything. We don't have any frame of reference as to why mutants are prominent. We don't have any frame of reference as to why the inhumans are prominent. We don't even have a frame of reference as to why Mr. Fantastic is around. Yeah. At, because presumably when they went to 838, it's the same year as it is in our universe 2025. Meaning that there has to be the what like why like some things make sense you could argue that you know okay peggy carter becoming captain america captain carter you know you can imagine yeah. same as what if with uh monarch with maria rambeau becoming captain marvel you can just infer that you know how they were racing to the uh to the airfield to see who would be the first one to be the test pilot you can reasonably infer that 
This is what happens if Maria won the race. She ends up going on the test flight with Marvell, and she ends up becoming the protagonist, which would make sense. But for the rest of that shit, this makes no sense. Hell, the, the idea that Wanda has Billy and Tommy is something that I think is a major plot hole because Billy and Tommy's existence is predicated on the existence of Vision, to which we know doesn't exist because Ultron functions properly in this universe. Yeah, the fact that Ultron didn't uh, deviate from his original programming and didn't separate itself from uh, Jarvis at all in this universe just shows that... Yeah, which, that also, means he, which also means that he didn't try and hoard vibranium from Ulysses Claw to create a vibranium body to create vision, also meaning he also didn't obtain the Mind Stone, potentially. Or even if he did have the Mind Stone, he didn't try to use it to create vision. Which, that's my biggest problem as well, is another thing also is that, um, like, Wanda being the way that she is, how does that even work? Like, it doesn't make sense! Yeah. This universe makes no sense, because when you think about Wanda, Wanda... How does Wanda become a modern American housewife with the powers that she has without anything that, without vision, first of all, but also how is she not a member of Hydra anymore? The only reason she doesn't work for Hydra is Ultron. If Ultron works as normal, why is she not a neo-Nazi right now? You laugh, but I'm right. It makes no sense. Yeah. Given what we've been told about the multiverse and how these universes fracture, which is based off of decisions made by characters, nothing we have seen about the decisions made, which of two, which there are only two we can infer of. One of which being Peggy Carter took the Super Serial Serum, and two, Maria Rambeau got to the airfield first and went on the trip with Marvel instead of Carol. But that's it. We don't know why mutants become more prominent or the Inhumans decide to become more prominent or why Reed Richards has a career already and um, it makes no sense. Yeah. Now, I, I want to actually touch on yeah. the lineup for the Illuminati, which uh, is really pathetic. I'm going to just be straight up here. Pathetic in action, not pathetic in concept. Yes, because the lineup against Wanda, they couldn't handle them. Let's let's be fair here. These This is supposed to be the group of heroes that are the final decision makers in things that go, in, go on behind the scenes, and this is who we've got. Like, we've got... So, we've got actual good ones. Like, we've got Professor X, and we've got uh, Mr. Fantastic, I think is a good pick for the Illuminati. We have Black Bolt. And then we have Captain Carter... We have... Who, who else? Maria Rambeau. Maria She makes sense, actually. But this... We also have... Uh, former... We had Doctor Strange, and then they replaced him with Mordo. Yeah. But just... This lineup doesn't seem like it's the fullest potential that it could be in order to be, like, the people making decisions behind the scenes. It doesn't feel substantial. And also, just the lineup of um, heroes, it feels almost as pathetic as, like... Just... Imagine if in in, in uh, Endgame we only had six superheroes to have the final fight against Thanos. Yeah. That's pathetic. Especially against a reality-bending uh, antagonist like Wanda. Yeah. This is, this is pathetic. And just 
their inability to realize how much of a threat she is. Yes. Like, that like they that know bothers about, me a lot. They know about the concept of dreamwalking, and they just refuse to acknowledge it. Like, and, and there's no basis as for them to as to why they should underestimate her at all. Yeah, so here's the thing. So, according to them, they know of the prophecy of the Scarlet Witch already. They, so on one level, you could think, well, our Wanda, we could handle. But however, here's my problem. They know that dreamwalking can lead to an incursion. Hell, the reason they even arrested Strange in America in this movie is they are afraid that they are going to cause an incursion just by being there. That's why they even arrest them. So, with knowledge that they're afraid of incursions, why on earth, if Stephen Strange and America Chavez tell you, hey, we are being chased by the Scarlet Witch who is most definitely going to show up in this universe, would you think, and she's dreamwalking by the way, why on earth would you think, you know... You say that, but we think you're more sus, despite you telling us about dreamwalking. And in our minds, we know how dangerous dreamwalking is. And the reason we're arresting you is because our previous strange dreamwalked and caused an incursion. So we'll think you caused an incursion. But Wanda, he, you just told us Wanda will cause an incursion by dreamwalking, which is literally what caused the last incursion. And you're not going to take her seriously. Yeah. And also, some of the way that these the like some of the members of the Illuminati die is absolutely awful. Like, I'm gonna bring up Black Bolt, the man who's literally trained himself not to react beyond a whisper, screams his own death. Which that is extremely infuriating. Like a lot of people don't like the death because it was too gory. I actually didn't have that problem. I didn't have that I problem. I accepted it that, that is a part of uh, the director's style. Sam Raimi is known as for being like like over the top when it comes to horror. Yeah. So that doesn't bother me. But the way he dies it was so dumb. And also have you seen the memes of like oh, Reed Richards, the smartest man alive. Uh, and then he goes on to say Black Bolt could kill you. And so of course her first instinct is to okay, Kill Black Bolt. And the worst part about it is there could be a very simple fix to Black Bolt's death. Make it so that right as he's about to scream at her, she closes his mouth. Fixed! Right there! Yeah. That way, you make it so that, one, Wanda looks even more of a genius, and two, Black Bolt doesn't look like an idiot. Yeah. Like, Reed Richards' death, that's fine. Because he's, one, Reed is an arrogant piece of shit. And so, of course, he would think that, oh, I will just stretch at her. And, and Captain Carter's death also makes sense. Captain Marvel's death took a while to uh, for me to accept. Yeah. Because at first glance, Captain Marvel is is a extremely powerful member of the Avengers. So the fact that she dies to a statue... That that was very difficult, but you... Exp uh, yeah, I explained to Sovereign is that... And a lot of people seem to have this issue as well. A lot of people think that Captain Marvel died to the falling rubble. That is wrong. The movie was showing with the lowering energy. So the big there's a big clash between Captain Marvel and Wanda. And they end up spinning in the air as their energies are clashing. But throughout the clash, you will notice that Wanda's chaos magic begins to absorb... Um, the cosmic energy 
of Captain Marvel. Her mask starts to disappear. The orange energy that she has starts to disappear off her body. Yeah. And so when the explosion happens, Captain Marvel's drained of her power. She's fr- she's virtually a regular human temporarily or a regular human Kree hybrid, assuming that she went through all of the same things that Carol did in her universe. She's a regular regular human Kree hybrid, which will still die to a falling statue. Yeah, it's just that was not made obvious into the audience at all. And I yeah. can see why a lot of people didn't catch that. Like, they they could have illustrated that much better than they, they did. Have, because, sure. the like, looking at it, the scene a second time, like... Seeing the mask wither away is a, like a subtle indication of that, but it, it it's just not obvious. Like, it's very much not obvious. Like you have to you have to look at the scene like two or three times to understand that. I I was lucky that I I was able to notice it on my first time. I was like, oh, her power got absorbed. But I could definitely see why people wouldn't notice it on the first time because it's not very overt. And then here comes the big one: Why the hell did Professor X last shorter against the Scarlet Witch? in comparison to Captain Carter. This bugs me. This bugs me so much after my uh, binging of the X-Men franchise, because we know this is a man whose powers literally span several cities. And then, what does he do? He doesn't go towards the device that amplifies his powers thousandfold. No, he appears right in front of Wanda and confronts her there. Like, but this is this is so contradictory to his behavior as like the leader of the X Men, and like, and while someone can say, well, it's not the same one from the X Men movies, and yes, we will give you that he's not the same, but there's still the device that he has that literally amplifies his abilities, and even if. We can argue Cerebro doesn't exist in this universe. My problem with Professor X's death is this. No, I refuse to accept that. I refuse to Unfortunately, accept that. Unfortunately, that there inver- is nothing to indicate Cerebro does exist. So arguing that he should have used Cerebro isn't necessarily a good argument because we. this is an alternate universe. There's no reason to assume Cerebro does exist. Despite everything indicating that it should exist... There's no evidence to prove that it would exist. That still doesn't negate my argument by the fact that he is incredibly stupid oh. and showing up right in front of her. Yeah. Mind you, I mind you, my biggest issue is with his death is how it was framed. So him trying to rescue 838 Wanda. That's perfect. fine. I can make sense. That. My problem with it was that I was expecting Wanda to kill him. I always figured Wanda was going to kill him. But I thought how it was going to work was that he was going to beat Wanda in the Battle of the Minds. Exactly. But because he only has his telepathy, Wanda would just beat him physically. She was going to try to beat him at his own game, like how she beat, like how she beat Captain Marvel at her own game. But realizing she was outmatched, she realized, wait a minute, I can still kill his body. His mind may be more powerful, but his body is that of a regular human. I thought that was what she was going to do. But no, she just beats him mentally in a very stupid way. It's literally just Dark Cloud coming in white room. Don't let Dark Cloud reach you. Oh no, Dark Cloud reach you. Man dead. 
Again, I am so I am not happy that the literally most powerful member, the man who can literally freeze entire cities worth of people, just didn't last as much as someone who's juiced up on science juice. Yeah, I'm just I'm I really see I my problem isn't that he died. My problem isn't that any of them died because I knew for the longest time through the leaks that they were going to die. But even just being a horror movie fan and knowing the structure of horror movies, you knew these people were not coming out of there alive. The problem is these pe- these characters were killed off in the stupidest ways possible. Half of them were killed in stupid ways. Captain Carter dying makes sense. Reed Richard dying makes sense. Black Bolt Stupid. Stupid. All you could have done was just make it so that he was mid-attack, she seals his mouth, that would have still killed him regardless. Captain Carter, not Captain Carter, Captain Marvel, make it more obvious that she absorbed her energy and that she's powerless, so when the statue falls on her, being powerless means that she's going to get crushed. And for Professor X, just make it so that she realizes she can't beat him mentally, so she's just going to kill him outright because, you know, that's what real Wanda would do. Yeah, like, Real Wanda is smart enough to know I can't beat someone better mentally, but their body is still their body, and I can still kill them that way. Yeah, which is also just it helps my argument out that him showing up right in front of her is the most idiotic thing that he did. Yeah, like honestly, the only good part of that scene was Captain Carter saying "I can do this all day" as a reference to we know what. Yeah, and then Mordo, as a member of the Illuminati, in retrospect, was worthless mordo contributes nothing to the plot in any real way besides just making it so that strange in america and christine are all separated and and this is why i argue that the uh, plot slows down heavily when it comes to the illuminati it just halts right there and the plot doesn't progress at all up until wanda shows up because the illuminati is a complete deviation from the plot of uh, Wanda wants her, her kids back. Strange must stop her. This is a complete alteration of what that plot's supposed to do, and it serves nothing because all of them are off in this matter of two minutes. And see, my biggest issue with this movie seems to be the fact that this movie has been touted as Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And while it was never outright stated this would be the problem, you kind of inferred that there was a multiversal crisis going on. So going into the movie... I kind of expected that while Wanda's goal was always to get her children, it would be that the effects of her goals was causing multiversal chaos. And that's why the Illuminati stepped in. But they never show that. In fact, by the end of the movie, the only incursion we know about that happens in this movie is because of Strange, not Wanda. Meaning that the concept of the multiverse and the multiverse being in jeopardy happens not because of Wanda, but because of Strange, despite Wanda ostensibly being the bigger threat to the multiverse. Yeah, yeah. It's so dumb. (sighs) Especially because they know she has the Darkhold, and instead of, you know, reacting to the person who has the Darkhold, they're like, oh, we didn't, we, we had to deal with Strange in the past? Let's let's just move all the blame to him. Let's just yeah. They're like, we're just gonna blame this strange, despite the fact that if you know the multiverse is real, then you should know that not all strangers are evil. And even if you've encountered other strangers that are evil, that doesn't mean you just ignore when another strange comes and says, "Hey, we're first of all strange." Even 
Strange even being there, he straight up says, like, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't want to be here. We just ended up here, and we're trying to go home and get away from Wanda. Like, Strange being there isn't even on purpose. He's not even trying to be there long. He's just like, we need to find a way to get to the Book of Ashanti and get the hell out of here. We don't want to be here. Yeah, now I want to touch on Wanda's character because I feel like that was a massive letdown from what we saw in WandaVision. Mind you, our opinions on WandaVision are mostly negative, but her well, characterization well, well, was pretty good Matt, in that hada, show. Hada, hada, hada. The ending of WandaVision was negative it, because it, everything leading up to the ending was good. And the ending ruins the show. Oh, yes, obviously, but, I mean, still. like the, the, Everything before the ending was good and worthy of praise. But... Her characterization in that show was still, like, top-notch. Yes. And this show, or this movie, doesn't follow up on the show's characterization of her at all. I'll say this, I'll say this up front. The first third of the movie, I felt like handled her character extremely well. Because it deals into the contradiction that, like, oh, Strange Hat did this one action to, uh, and put the whole u uh, universe and, it, or, and its lives in jeopardy. Wanda does a similar thing, and she's treated like a villain. Now, mind you, they're not morally the same, yeah. but the actions are similar, just with different moral outcomes. And, and so she has actually intelligent like dialogue when it comes to like the morality of her decisions. See, like, I actually disagree. Personally, I think the real thing should be that Wanda should be coming at it as, Strange, you may have done the right thing, but in doing the right thing, you cause an unimaginable amount of harm to people. And so it shouldn't be that, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It should be that you did it, but the cost was high and you need to reconcile with the fact that the cost was high. And I feel that should have been the main thing because I have a hard time arguing. I have a hard time with the argument that Wanda made that like you broke the rules, but you're celebrated. Well, duh, he celebrated. He saved half the universe. Well, you're not but supposed it, to agree with Wanda. No, it's not that you're supposed to agree with Wanda. But I feel that Wanda's issue isn't that Strange broke the rules. Well, Wanda's issue is that... Well, she doesn't have an issue with with Strange. She's using his, like, his skirting of the moral code to justify her actions. But the problem I have with that logic is that that's not even why Wanda is the way that she is. Like, like Wanda... Like, here's my problem. My problem with the argument is this. I feel like Wanda's argument should have been that you did something that saved a lot of people, but it caused an unimaginable amount of harm that so many people are suffering from. I did something that caused an untold level of harm. So who are you to come and tell me that I did it wrong? when you did something that caused so much harm that even though it ended up good, there are still trillions of people out there that have been negatively affected by it and still aren't sure it was the right decision. Because we know that's the case. At Christine's wedding, the doctor, his doctor friend, Dr. West, even says, was that really the only way? I lost my pets and I lost my brother in the time that I was blipped. Was that really the right decision? Or no, were, was it that they were blipped and he was the only one left? No, no, like he lost them as in they died. Like they're dead, dead. Uh, he was gone and they died in the five years. I, I guess He I couldn't take care of them because I, he was gone. 
I guess I interpreted that differently. That's no, like they're dead. They're yeah. like dead in the year 2025, meaning they died during the time of the blip. Okay. So he was gone and he came back and he regrets. He has regrets because he wishes he was there. Maybe he could have done something different to save their lives. Okay. That's what the doctor was basically saying. And he tells Strange, like, are you sure there was no other way? And that's actually a very good emotional argument against what Strange did, or at least not an argument against, but at least demonstrating that even though Strange may have done the right thing, there was an untold level of harm caused by that decision. Yeah. And Wanda is another victim of that. Because Strange gave up the Time Stone, she not only killed Vision once, that death meant nothing. All of that emotional struggle and heartache she had to kill him meant nothing because Thanos shows up with the very time stone Strange gave him to redo it all and then kill him himself, effectively robbing her of all agency and vision of all agency in what was ostensibly a decision between the two of them, a sacrifice that they made. And Wanda feeling very angry and upset and guilty and rageful towards Strange, 100% valid. And I feel like that should have been what she was yelling at him about. The fact that he made a decision that caused an untold level of harm and he doesn't have to hear about it, while she made a decision that caused untold level of harm and she does. Okay. That should have been the argument. Okay, so I see how you're... you're uh... So you're just pretty much just writing the script better. Yes. <laughs> pretty much. Like, I liked how they handled it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, like, deny you that. Yeah. But how you're describing it is actually much better. I, still... I, feel, I feel it's more in line with how Wanda's character like... should be developing post-Westview. In that Westview was a mistake that she made that caused harm. But she's now never allowed to hear the end of it. Yeah. Mind you, there should have been more done to show Wanda being affected by the events of Westview afterwards. But we can at least tell from the subtext of the movie that she, at least on some level, feels she's never able to get away from it. Yeah. I mean, I still liked how they handled it in this yeah. movie. I, I still really enjoyed yeah. it. I just, I it just... was still, it, it was a little more intellectual than what we're used to, even if... Like, yeah, it, oh, even... obviously. Still way more an, in, like, stay, still way more of an intellectual struggle than most MCU movies. Yeah. So you you weren't like trying to negate like my argument. You were just yeah. saying like I can I can take your argument and build it up. Yeah, I see it as her argument should have been more from this perspective because that is probably far more upsetting for her. Yeah. But that actually plays into another issue I have with this movie, which is the very distinct lack of vision. Not that White Vision should have been in this movie, but that Wanda doesn't talk about him. Now, yes, I understand that part of WandaVision was her getting over the grief of losing Vision, and that this movie is supposed to be getting over the grief of losing her child. However, the death of Vision very much is a part of who she is and should be part of her argumentation. In the sense that she's looking for a universe for her children, why isn't she also looking for a universe for Vision as well? Yeah. If you're gonna go... Because if, if, you're, if, if this is your get-out-of-grief-free card... You might as well yeah. go in for... If you're in for a penny, in for a pound. Go for a family. Go for the full four. Go for you with the kids and Vision. Might as well. Like, yeah. the fact that they hyper-focused on the kids and completely threw Vision to the wayside makes no sense to me because Wanda is in love with Vision. She loves him. I just, I just realized... 
what what if uh, Vision never finds out that? Because let's be honest here, Wanda survived that. That those anyone that thinks Wanda died has never seen a movie in their life. Yeah, and not Wanda died. Sorry, if anyone thinks that Wanda died has never seen a movie in their life, she's obviously alive. She's the Scarlet fucking Witch. You think rocks are gonna kill her? Imagine if like word spreads that Wanda dies. Vision never finds out that that's not true. We're gonna have another zombies uh, situation. Oh god! Uh, like, remember, this is when these two are apart from each other. They will go to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Morality be damned. Yeah. Another <laughs> another thing that did bother me as well is that um that uh Vision. I mean, obviously, I know why Vision isn't going to be in this movie. One, it's a Doctor Strange movie. Two, Paul Bettany's expensive. <laughs> Three, CGI is expensive, and this is a CGI-heavy movie at that. So I can completely understand why White Vision's in it, but isn't some in it. isn't in it. But on some level, I'm also just like you know, Vision is out there with his memories of being actual Vision. Like, so like he should be looking for his wife. Type thing. Maybe, maybe he has and just doesn't like what she's turned into. But that's of... a but that's a level of character development that we don't know about because it was handled off screen. Another yeah. <laughs> thing that I have is that a lot of people have complained that this has made Wanda into an irredeemable monster, and that Wanda was never evil beforehand. And I'm sorry to say this, you are fucking wrong. Mind she was evil in Age of Ultron. In Age of Ultron, you need to remember that in Age of Ultron, she mind controlled the entire Avengers and made them see their worst fears, knowingly sicked the Hulk onto an, in, onto an innocent city, knowing he was going to kill people. She did that of her own volition. That's fucking evil. Then, the next time we see her is in Civil War, and she accidentally kills people in, in Laos. That's I, would, a- I would argue by Civil War, like, she's... Like, her character has been redeemed enough, like, internally, to, like, wash that away. But my no, but what I'm getting at with Civil War is that in Civil War, her whole deal was that she just kind of didn't want to be like cooped up, cooped up, which bro, even if the Sokovia Accords weren't a thing, you would still be cooped up for what you just did, yeah, so it might it's more that like her moral system in Civil War was still flimsy at best and then in the beginning of infinity war we see that she has actually just abandoned cap's team and isn't telling them where she is and that they were lucky that cap found them in london which i'm getting at to say that wanda has not been you know the most selfless person in the mcu she makes sacrifices but she only makes those sacrifices once everything has gotten so fucking bad. Quicksilver dies because they let Ultron get as far as he did by helping him. Despite the fact that ostensibly Wanda could have killed Ultron at any point. Yeah. She could have killed him at any point. She could have been like, fuck off, robot, and killed them, and killed him, and that would have been the end of it. But she didn't. And as a result of that, Quicksilver ends up dying. In Civil War, um, her mistake causes a rift between... Her decision first causes, like, an incident, but that's not necessarily her fault. It's, that's, cro- that's mor- that's, it's Crossbones' fault, first and foremost. Yeah, because that's not a moral failing. That's but Crossbones' the, fault. But, the, but then her point. wanting to not be cooped up led to an even bigger issue. 
But then, Infinity War, her envision breaking away from Cap's group made it so that, you know, became a lot more difficult for the Avengers to unite. And also the fact that she was... Um, well, I blame Captain America more than Wanda in this, but she was a bit unwilling to kill Vision. But I blame Cap more because Captain America, with his we don't trade lives bullshit, is bullshit. And they should have killed Vision a lot earlier. But you, what I'm trying to get at is that Wanda only gets to make sacrifices in the MCU once you it's either you do that or many more people will die. Which is to what I'm saying is that Wanda is not a selfless person. She's not necessarily a hero. She's just... She's just kind of lucky to be <laughs> with good people. Because then Westview happens, and some people say she didn't know what she was doing. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, no, she, know, she knew exactly By the time what she the series doing. begins, by the time we see the events of episode one... There's hints that she knows. Episode 2 all but confirms she knows what she's doing. Yeah, because she reverses in... she reverses the beekeeper coming out. Yeah. And even like even if you don't even see that by the second to last episode you, you see the fact that she has complete con no in the last episode actually. She has complete control over everyone in there and has the ability to do so and then tries to justify her actions to the faces of everyone that what she's doing is morally just. Yes. Wanda was already a pretty horrible person by Wanda Vision. She's already a horrible person. And of course, the end credit scene. Like a lot of people say like, "Oh, the ending of WandaVision is her realizing her mistake." No, it's, no, not. it's not. The ending of WandaVision is her using literal book Satan to amplify her powers. And some people are like, oh, well, she didn't know it was corrupting. I'm sorry, was this book not called the Book of the Damned? Was it not being used by an evil witch? Was, by the way, when Agatha Harkness said, you have no idea what you're doing, was she not saying that in the context of, we are so fucked after Wanda stole her powers? As in, no, you don't know what you're doing. You, you took away my powers. You ruined my evil scheme. But more like, you don't know what you're doing. You're about to kill us all. And also, you know, just the fact that ugh, Wanda was just not a good person by WandaVision. And also, if you saw Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Runaways, then you know the Darkhold is especially evil and is a corrupting force and that everyone who has ever touched the Darkhold has been corrupted. Yeah. 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 And also, WandaVision took place in 2023. Doctor Strange takes place in 2025. She's been using the Darkhold for two years. Bro. She's fucking evil. I'm sorry to say this, but she's fucking evil. And then some people may argue, oh, well, how could they expect us to watch WandaVision to understand Doctor Strange? Um... Was it not when these two projects were announced, they were announced, one, together, two, advertised as a package deal, and three, supposed to be a prequel to Doctor Strange, and the only reason that cut out all the Doctor Strange scenes was COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame, too, because the because her character follow-up from the show really, it's not satisfying. I feel like we, sh we should have seen a bit more of her corruption by the Darkhold. 
but like a bit more to see how far she's fallen. But my problem with it is that I don't know if there's a level of corruption that we could see that is worse than what she was already doing. She was already morally fine with kid with effectively hijacking people's lives and mind raping them for days on end. And also her her self-sacrifice in quotations because we know she's still alive. Her self-sacrifice at the end of the movie is not earned. She only does it because of the fact that she realizes these kids will never accept me as their mother. Like she doesn't have like this moral realization that what she's doing is wrong. She's like, oh, th- my plan's just not going to work. Fine. Darkhold be gone. Yes. The other thing I also have a problem with with Wanda's whole thing is that why was she going to a universe where Billy and Tommy already have a mom? This is the multiverse. An infinite multiverse. You could There's a universe where they don't have parents! Hell, you could go to a multiverse where she was literally killed and then one second later you can be like, well... I'm going to walk in and replace her. I'm going to go in there and... Uh, literally, <laughs> literally, do you know there are two plot lines that have done this better? One was, what if, when uh, Age of Ultron, uh, Ultron Infinity Black Widow got sent to the uh, uh, Hank Pym universe where she, he killed Black Widow. Yeah. That works. But you want to know which did this better? And you're going to hate me for saying this, but I, you know I'm right. Injustice with Black Canary and Green Arrow. Oh my god. Dr. Fate in Injustice, he rewinds the death of Black Canary, literally says, fuck Fate, and then takes Black Canary and brings her to a universe where, because um, even though he saved her life, Superman did kill her unborn child. And for no one that has any context about what Superman killed someone's unborn child, it's Injustice, it's a shit. It's a shitstorm. But anyways, Black Canary... I know what you're referencing. Yeah, Black Canary got sent to a separate universe where there's a universe where Green Arrow's alive and a single dad with an infant child. And so they got to be together. And it worked because you weren't robbing anyone of anything. Why is it that this movie has Wanda not try and just go to a universe where... She's just trying to find a universe where Billy and Tommy don't have parents. Or there's a universe where it's Billy, Tommy, Invasion, and they just don't have her. I was not ready for you to bring up the Injustice comics, I swear. But you know I'm right, and you know know it was handled better. I know you were right, because I've read those comics, and they are atrocious, but yet it was still handled better. Exactly! That's what, that's, I think this is the main thing that bothers me about having Wanda as the main villain of this movie. Is that... And yes, I get it. Wanda is being corrupted by an evil book, and so she's not supposed to be in her right mind. But good God, would it not have just been a better storyline if Wanda is trying to get America's powers so she can go to a universe where she's not there? Honest, honestly, like- and that the problems with her, her the problem with her doing that is that she will incidentally cause incursions. And another thing, like, another problem I have with her character is the fact that, like, if she's been corrupted this whole time, they should not, like, they should not have let her, like, where am I going with this? The justifications that that she gives doesn't sound like someone who's corrupted. 
the justifi- justification she gives are of someone who is of sound mind and body. Yeah, like, she like sounds... she says, she sounds like someone who's just an overly protective mom. She should be a force of nature. She shouldn't be something that you can justify with. Yeah, especially when you look at, and I'm sorry to say this, but if you looked at other series that use the Darkhold, do you remember Ada during Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when she was corrupted by the Darkhold? She was a fucking psychopath, and that was a fucking A.I., it was a perfect AI, and that was a psychopath. Humans are worse. Like, Ada literally was, I'm your psycho girlfriend. Fitz, love me. Love me. Love me. I'm going to trap you in an AI where I kill your actual wife so I can be your replacement wife. <laughs> that was fucked. And it made sense. That showed actual corruption. This is like, yes, she's corrupted, but the corruption can only be used as a justification for why she's so willing to kill people, not necessarily justification as to why she's looking for her kids. Yeah, again, the whole, I'm just a mom, wouldn't you want to go after your kids too justification just doesn't fit in this story. It doesn't, especially because her justification is, I'm a mom, wouldn't you go after your kids? But it's not that she's going after her kids. She's stealing her kids from another version of her. Meaning that, if anything else, she would just cause another version of her to be hellbent of trying to steal her kids back through the multiverse. So that's why my biggest problem is, if she's a mom that's just trying to get to her kids, she should be trying to get to a universe where her kids are motherless. And her arguments would have worked fine. My kids are out there without a mom somewhere. What if they're sick? I can help them. I have the power to get to those kids that have lost their mom, just as how I lost them. Yeah, again. Her crazy arguments would have made much more sense if she was referring to a universe where Billy and Tommy are orphans. Or at least a universe where Billy and Tommy don't have their mom and Vision is a widower. Yeah, like... Come on, people! The character writing in this movie was so bad. And just... You might disagree with me on this, but I'm going to bring it up because this is the other character criticism I have. The plot having Strange use the Darkhold. I I disagree with this so much just because of what the movie has set up. Yeah, I I disagree too. But before we rant one more time negatively, let us do one positive thing. America Chavez's character was the best character in the entire movie. It was the best character, but only because they didn't ha- have a chance to ruin her character. Like, I'm going to be honest, like, I am happy with the Hispanic representation. Like, and also, we also get the fact that, um, what's it called? Her parents are uh, LGBT, so that's that's also cool. Yeah. But the, the, the movie has no chance to ruin her character. I mean, her character isn't, like groundbreaking it's not like fantastic but it is good yeah and that's because everyone else's character sans christine like christine is the also the other character that has a really good characterization in uh, the movie. yeah I, but my problem with christine's characterization is that it's split up between two versions of christine yeah that's what i was about to bring up because strange is going through this arc with a different version of christine which has no previous connection with her and so like, the only previous connection is that she's a variant of Christine that happens to have been in a relationship with her, Steven. But what we know of the multiverse prior is that doesn't necessarily work. It works on some level, like with Lokis, like how all Lokis are the god of mischief. 
therefore they all kind of the same but yeah. even what if shows that if there's a loki that isn't the god of mischief then he's just you know a he, frat boy yeah he's just a frost giant <laughs> he's a frost giant frat boy he's literally just him and thor are literally just frat brothers they are literally <laughs> just the same fraternity brother but um so but i just didn't like that they did it across two christines i kind of wish especially because there's Chris- no there's no payoff with the other christine yeah, like there's <laughs> like I, I guarantee you, like she's she's still gonna be in like a happy marriage, which I mean honestly, if sh- like if Strange tries to interfere with that, that is a repetition of an of a very early two thousands trope that I it's do not, not gonna happen because I do not because of the po- because of the character introduced in the post credit scene, I know it's not gonna happen, and I part of the reason why I feel that they were doing it with this alternate version Christine is because they kind of wanted to wrap it up so they can introduce his real love. Because in the comics, Clea is his real love. So let's touch on that at the end, because I actually know yeah. nothing about the yeah, character. Yeah, so we'll bring that up later. But Christine's character arc is kind of rushed, and I don't like it, despite her being a good good characters, because there's only two Christines that we get to see. Her, they're good characters, but I feel her arc is rushed because they're introducing Clea. But anyways, now let's get back to... And also, one thing before we get to the other big bad characterization. Wong felt like he cared less about the bad things Steven was doing this movie than he normally would. Yeah, well, he does get crippled pretty hard in this movie, too, which I also disagree with, considering he's the Sorcerer Supreme now. And even though No Way Home (laughs) establishes that he only gets it by default... Wong is really fucking strong. Remember, Wong was the he was the master of the New York Sanctum. Yeah, and also he's already proven himself to be a better sorcerer supreme. Yeah, like he's he's, he's his, more active. His bounds of knowledge are much greater. And also, he's just more active. He one has taken the initiative to rehabilitate abomination of all people, which you know. The real Sorcerer Supreme should be doing things like that. Also, he made it his goal to also, like, you know, be a mentor to Shang-Chi and Katie. And also try to stay in contact with Bruce Banner and Captain Marvel to try and at least make sure shit doesn't go sideways. Like, because as as the guardian of, as, like, one of the guardians of Earth, it would make sense that they have, like, an active role participating with communication with the Avengers. Yeah, which Strange didn't do. Which... Like, he's only communicated with them because of the events of Thanos, because uh, Hulk literally drops at his doorstep, and then because Thor and Loki show up. And even then, he was mainly just doing it. he has a very passive role. And even then, he wasn't even... He didn't want to help Thor and Loki. It was more like anything to get you out of my city as fast as I can. Yeah. So Meanwhile, Wong is less of anything that gets you out, and anything is like, listen, listen. We don't know what this is. Like, he's taking active measures to get ahead of situations like, oh, there's a relic here that that has just uh, been uh, discovered by a new, like, potential hero. Yeah. I want to check that out. Or, we have someone that is as strong as the Hulk, just locked up and not being actively rehabilitated? We should be doing something about that! Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. But now let's get to strange yeah so this movie hammers it into the audience's head that using the darkhold is bad wanda using the darkhold bad 
strange using Darkhold? Bad. And so the plot weaseling its way around to have 616 is strange use the dark hold at the end to fix all of the plot like all of the characters problems i have problems with that my biggest issue with how strange is handled is so yes the big story arc that is being carried over from the first doctor strange is that strange always had to be the one to hold the knife which is basically him basically being strange always has to be the guy that is in control. He has to be in control of everything. My problem with that assessment of his character now is what happens in Endgame. I mean, in Infinity War. Because... Where he was willing to not only trust that yeah, Tony be- will make the right decisions, but that he won't be there to ensure it. Because ultimately, he knows he's going to get dusted. He literally looked into the future and like, oh, this is happening. Oops. And mind you, in all the universes that he's seen, there's most likely universes where he's seen where he gets dusted and doesn't come back. Yeah. And hell, there's probably, like, there's probably, like, several universes he's seen where he lives and just, no matter what, he can't do anything that would be, that would end in their victory because him being there just doesn't help. Exactly. So that kind of... It's weird because Infinity War kind of shows that Strange has gotten past that point in that in meeting Tony Stark, he realizes that there is someone else as strong-willed as he is that is willing to do the job. Yeah, because let's just face it, those two characters are about equal levels of head-ass. Yeah, (laughs) they really are. And so... Yeah, and on some level, you could say that, well, now with the death of Tony, he now doesn't have another person he can trust on that level. Which would be cool if it was brought up. But the problem is is that this movie ignores the events of Infinity War and Endgame and basically says that Strange has never had the capability of trusting another person to get the job done, and it was always only him. When it should have been... The only time Strange ever trusted someone to get the job done, they did it and died. And so now he knows that if it's another situation, he would much rather it be that he is the one that could die. Yeah. Which I think would have been a bit better to do this character arc instead of just pretending Infinity War and Endgame didn't exist. Yeah, just... uh, And then the fact that that wasn't Strange Supreme... On some level... I'm glad it wasn't because it would have made no sense. Strange Supreme now has a new purpose. And also that Strange now has gotten over that same weakness that all these other Stranges have. He knows that he can't be that guy anymore. See, his appearance would make no sense in this movie. You're right. But in an actual movie where the multiverse is like completely disarrayed and this is truly a multiverse of madness, you, you could write him in. Yeah, you like, could, like you could say you could say like, oh, this is how far I had to go to get my Christine, and it still failed. Yeah, like or that could also, be that could be a really interesting like character development. Or moment. you could, or you could even say, if you really want to go with this character arc that Strange needs to get over being that guy, you should have him meet Strange Supreme, and he's like, I try to be that guy, and, and it look failed. where I am now, and it failed. Look at what I have to look look after. And we see, and we see uh, Killmonger and Ultron. Uh, not just... Ultron, Arnim Zola. That's right. 
we like that would have been so amazing but you're right this doesn't work in this movie and that upsets me it's so much because if this was an actual movie where the multiverse was in complete like it's like completely fractured and we were jumping through 10 plus universes like we suspected this movie would have been then strange supreme's inclusion would have made complete and total sense but no we get sinister strange who's like I got the dark hold. What you gonna do, buddy? But <laughs> also, this is a sinister strange that that's world is okay. So they never say it, but that's a world that's been infected by an incursion. That's a world that's been like fucked by an incursion. Yeah. However, for one, we don't understand. We we can infer that the reason why that world's fucked by an incursion is because of that strange using the dark hold. Yeah. But they don't tell us. But my biggest issue with that strange is that. It, just, it for me it just comes out of nowhere and also like his whole like okay i'll let you use the dark hold if you give me your christine like strange doesn't even say that's not my christine that's from another universe meaning that like if you do that like well mind you at that point i don't think that strange would have cared because he's already living in a universe with an incursion but like it just, I didn't like it. I did like the fight between the, the two. The fight was actually the really creative. The fight was creative. so creative. The music fight was amazing. I thought it was really creative. Yeah, that was actually really good. But the concept and character of Sinister Strange... Just, no. I, doesn't work. And especially also because... the fact that he died, and I say that in quotation marks, because he opens his eyes for a jump scare, and then... We don't, we don't return to it. And also, it just ruins it for, like, what if fans who are, like, at the end of No Way Home is like, oh, Strange Supreme is coming, and it's a complete, just complete misdirection of that. And it's very dissatisfying, because we have a precedent for a different variant of Strange. And it would have been a version of Strange that could let our Strange be like, it's okay. Even though Stark like, died. That's why I wanted him in this movie. Like... Oh, right. man. It, he could have been like yes, because, but unfortunately, he could have been like even though Stark died, you still don't need to be the one because there are others out there, and you don't need to show the Watcher, but you can reference how Strange now has a respect for the Watcher and how the Watcher was able to be that guy, yeah, even though Strange never knew him, like type thing, but they don't, and I think this is. In my opinion now, I think this is actually a problem that I've been starting to have with Marvel, specifically with Sam Raimi and James Gunn, which is this. They have a lot of creative freedom, which I love. However, they don't use that creative freedom to enhance the world. They use it to tell a narrative, which is fine, but they don't allow that narrative to make sense with the wider world. Yeah. Like, I, cause like the more that I think about this movie, I'm like, this is a great Sam Raimi movie for fans of Sam Raimi, especially if you're a fan of the evil dead franchise, this is a great movie for you. But if you are someone that views the MCU as a collection of stories that tells an overarching story, this is like a bad chapter in a book where if you were to read it on its own, it's good. But when you think of it in the context of the wider series, or about it, once say a bad chapter in a book, it's a bad book in the series, in the sense that it's a very well-written book and very entertaining, and it's a very good book. 
But when you think of the book in context of its wider series and the wider canon of the series it's in, it doesn't work. And I think that's yeah. my biggest issue with this movie. Do you have that problem with uh, James Gunn too? I do, because I've been thinking about it. And the more I've thought about the Guardians, the more I've become more disappointed with them and how really? I'm kind of not looking forward to Guardians 3. Really? Because I feel, ostensibly, and I've thought about this more, especially after watching The Suicide Squad, is that James Gunn uses obscure or obscure comic book characters because it allows him to basically create original characters with their skin. And so doesn't allow for them to tell their iconic stories. Okay, so... I guess I see what you mean, because a lot of the Guardians uh, characters have been rewritten. Like, Drax is nothing like, like how he is in the comics. But like, also, but and like, also, Star-Lord is nothing like... Star-Lord is, Star is a joke, and it's now carried over into everything where everything Star-Lord does is for comedic relief, where in the comics, where he was, a bit of a bland, he was a bit of a bland guy, I kind of liked where he started in Guardians 1, where he was a joke... But by the end of it, he became a leader. And not just a leader, a hero. But by Guardians 2, and yes, I know Guardians 2 canonically takes place only like a couple months later. He kind of... Actually, I see... Back a... to a goofball. And then Infinity, Infinity War, War happens he... years later after, after Guardians 2. And he's still just... I would argue like... He's still, like, a pretty good leader then. Like, he still has some agency in that movie, but definitely a lot more than Guardians 2. I but see he, but I then see... also, in Infinity War, he's a good leader in the beginning when he's doing the lead-up to rescuing Thor and when they're, when they're attacking Thanos. But then as soon as Strange, Spider-Man, and um, That's Doctor where... Strange appears, he's now just nothing but comic relief, the character. And it feels like all of the development that we have of him becoming a hero is out the window. And then by Endgame, he only is in the movie to serve for getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah. And okay. now that we see Thor Love and Thunder with the Thor Love and Thunder trailer, we're seeing Star-Lord as just like, just, I don't like you, Thor, because you're pretty and people like you more than me. Which is so fucking tried and played out, and I don't like it. It overstayed its welcome after... So, after Infinity War, it overstayed its welcome. In Endgame, having Thor be like, oh yeah, like everyone likes him more than Star-Lord now is... Ugh. And now it seems like they're doing it again in Thor Love and Thunder. And I'm just kind of like, bro. Bro. I'm gonna have to see Guardians 3 and Thor Love and Thunder, but I see what you're talking about with the other movies. Yeah. And I feel like this is an issue. Like, like... Creators like Taika Waititi... Like, I'm not or... fully on board, but I can see the basis as to why, like, you're making the argument. And so I see it. Where... I just need to see where the other other movies take the characters yeah. in order to fully yeah. jump on board. Yeah. But, like, I just have this feeling that characters in these movies are just being written for the movie without taking the wider story that they're in to make sense. And so, because of that, because they write it like that... Some aspects that they do take from the wider MCU also gets ignored. Wanda seems to come out of so left field because this movie as a whole kind of distances itself from the wider MCU. So people start to feel like, you know, well, Wanda's, it's, Wanda's actions are truly only isolated to this movie and are not an extension of WandaVision because everything else regarding this movie 
doesn't work as doesn't work as an extension of previous character arcs from the yeah. previous movies. Yeah, just going through this movie, it's such a disappointment because of all the movies that have come out in the past year, like everything like MCU related, I have no urgency to go rewatch this movie. Like, honestly, the more that this like movie settles in my mind, the less that I feel like I had an enjoyable movie going experience because just well like in comp comparison to like our viewing experience for Moon Knight which was really good and was really enjoyable this was just very disappointing yeah it was very disappointing and I just I expected this movie to be a continuation of character arcs from their previous um, stories and would just... I was fine with this movie being more standalone because in the grand scheme of things, nothing about the status quo has truly changed. I mean, this shouldn't be standalone, though, because this is a multiverse Yeah, movie. see, my problem with it like, is... Like, No Way Home doesn't stand alone, and it's still fantastic for, for it. Moon like, Knight is standalone, and it works fantastic for it. Like, Thor, but, like in my opinion... The standalone movie that, sh like, the movie that looks to be the better standalone movie sh is Thor Love and Thunder, in my opinion. Yeah, because it's going to separate, well, it may separate itself from Guardians, especially because... They will, because they are going their separate ways, because to my knowledge, Chris Hemsworth is not in Guardians 3. Yeah, but, like, standalone movies, like, Shang-Chi was a really good standalone movie. Or even, despite how controversial it is, I liked Eternals, because it was standalone. Yeah, it was standalone, though. I, I still am mixed on that movie. Yeah, you're still mixed on it. But I like the fact that it was standalone. But this movie should not have been standalone. This movie should not have been one that returns everything to the status quo. But, yeah. I and, just, and I also want to nip the uh, the uh, arguments that Marvel fans only want cameos in the butt. Like, our, our uh, problems with the film... Have, have nothing to do with wanting more cameos. Like, like our problems are not with... Like more, like better writing. The cinematography was actually really well oh, in this movie. James Gunn uses the camera. Sam Raimi. Fuck. Sorry, <laughs> I had James Gunn on my mind because he also has good cinematography. Yeah. Because I mean, say what you will about the story of Guardians Two. Guardians Two looks beautiful. Who's saying the Guardians Two story is bad? It's weaker than Guardians One, in my opinion. In all honesty, I like Guardians Two more because the characterization characterization in that movie is so much stronger i think the characterization in guardians 1 is better i like guardians 1 more than guardians 2 okay tell but me it's if... undeniable that guardians 2 is the better looking movie undeniable All you right. cannot tell me that guardians 2 looks worse than guardians 1 but on that same note sam raimi on my in my opinion is on the level of guardians 2 in terms of making the movie look good this movie looks as good as Guardians 2 looked. Like, when it shifts between universes, like, shifting between Strange and Wanda, those transitions really well. Yes, there were it's, some... like, it's like when Rocket, Yondu, and Groot were jumping through all the warp points. Yeah, like, mind you, there were some that I didn't like too much. Like, there was one as like, okay, that's just 1980 Star Wars. 
There was one in there where it was like, okay, this transition I can't get behind because this feels very st- it's, like early it's just stars. It's the Star Wars wipe transition. <laughs> and that just doesn't work in modern cinema anymore. Uh, like, uh, it, it works in Star Wars movies. It doesn't it only, work in Star Wars it, it only works in Star Wars movies. <laughs> but yeah, no, but this movie was definitely very well shot. I really liked it. The music also was really good. Like, I like the music that showed the montage while Mordo is talking about how Strange did dreamwalking. We see Wanda do dreamwalking, and we see, the, like, the, like, w- that entire that, montage that, was not only well shot, but also well scored. That shot alone, I can't comment about the rest of the music in the entire, because uh, honestly, I'm going to be honest here, No Way Home and the Batman really shot our expectations way too high for this movie i am not gonna lie with you oh yeah definitely like after no way home and the batman my expectations for superhero movies have gotten really high and so far the only thing that has come close to meeting those expectations is moon knight yeah and this uh... because but mind you the only other thing we've reviewed that was superhero related after that was Morbius. Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> and we gave that one a two. And let's like, be honest like, here. No Way Home and Batman were nines for us. And like I think Moon Knight was an eight for us. Morbius was, was a two. two. Yeah, Morbius Which, was bad. Let's go ahead and go to our rankings of this. This is a 4.5 for me. I'm giving it a five. 4.5. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving it a five. Like, I had fun watching it, but... It just I, be, for me, it just becomes less enjoyable the more I think about it. Yeah, like I, like, I have I, when going coming out of the movie, I was like, uh, "That movie's about a seven, six point five seven. No, but I now that I think about it, I'm like, "No, it's a five. Yeah, no, I because like, uh, the movie was just a mess. I couldn't sit through it without like just like thinking something was off about the movie. Yeah, I got the same vibe and like. I just, my biggest issue really just is that I felt that the characters, yeah, just, just... It, it's like this movie is actually emblematic of problems that I have with comic books in general, which is that in between runs, in between comic book runs by different authors, they don't pick up the same character arcs that the last person left off, which on some level, obviously, yes, one director or one writer should not be beholden to the work of another. But you should still at least be respecting what they laid the groundwork for when you tell your next story. And an example of it being handled really well is literally every single appearance of Tony Stark in the MCU. Literally, that character has a seamless character progression throughout the entirety of those two And he's done under different directors. He was done under Jon Favreau. He was done under Joss Whedon. Shane Black. Shane Black. The Russo brothers. Russo brothers. John Watts. All of them literally made that character like progress through the movies so seamlessly and naturally even his appearances in what if were still like in character for tony of that arc yes like to like every tony that we saw in what if as well maintained his characterization of that era of tony we saw the Tony and the Killmonger episode is yeah, he the would same. Be, yeah, he would be super arrogant. He wouldn't have progressed at all. Yeah, he's the same as he was in Iron Man 1. The Tony that we briefly see in um, the final episode of What If is the Tony of the Avengers era. Because that's the last time we really saw him. This is a Tony... Oh, wait, you don't know. The premise of the Gamora episode is what if Tony got stuck in space after the bomb? <laughs> Sorry, I, I realize I don't think I told you that. It's inferred. 
Yeah, it's a it's like, a Tony. Like he has to know how to build a suit by then. Yeah, it's a Tony that it's basically what if during the Shatari invasion, um, they closed the portal before Tony got out. Yeah, and so he ends up getting stuck, and then he ends up getting sucked to Sakar, and yeah. But that Tony is a Tony from <sighs> Avengers era, and even the Tony that we briefly see in the Hank Pym episode acts exactly like how would in Iron Man too. Yeah, like his character is done really well um are there any other characters that we can really relate to because thor's character is only like consistent through the latter half of his characterization captain america uh but there are some people who say his characterization in civil war was controversial i would say it's controversial but i would like, say it makes sense given how captain america was being written at the time where yeah. Captain America, like, for, you, better, I, for better or worse, Captain America at the time, because this was during John Hickman's run of the Avengers and New Avengers, where Captain America was being a stubborn asshole and trying to stop the Illuminati from stopping the incursions. Yeah, like, mind you, I have no problem with it. It's just I don't like bringing up that argument because people are averse to it. Yeah, but... But, like, other than that, what other characters, like, have very strong, like, progression throughout the entirety of the MCU? Wong. But that's only, <laughs> that's mainly because he's a side character, and so he... Uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man's actually... He, his is really good, actually, because... Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, no, because every, every movie builds off his actions in the last, yeah. Loki. Wow, yeah. And that's pretty much it, right? Spider-Man, Loki, um... Hawkeye doesn't have many appearances. I mean, he has appearances under different directors, but he doesn't get a consistent arc until Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, because... No, no, no. His arc starts in Endgame. in Endgame and continues into Hawkeye. Yeah, no one... Yeah, even Black Widow, like, her characterization starts in Infinity War. Her honestly. arc... She had an arc that started in Age of Ultron that disappeared... In her next appearance in Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hulk? Oh, God, don't get me started on how Hulk's characterization is in the shitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, literally, you had to fuse the two characters in order to make his character good. Let's be fair here. Yeah. And mind you, of course, that's because of Universal not allowing Hulk sequels to be made. And thus, Hulk movies weren't allowed to be made. Yeah, but also, this just really exemplifies the fact that Doctor Strange's character is written better outside of his movies, not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah, no, his movies are written way better when he's not in his own movie. Yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, Doctor Strange trusted Peter in, um, at the end of No Way Home. And now, mind you, he doesn't under, he doesn't know who Peter Parker is, but he does know who Spider-Man was, and he knows that he can trust Spider-Man, I don't know. I just the idea that Peter, that um, Doctor Strange has to be that guy works as a storyline for him in this movie, but not for the reasons that this movie presented. Yeah, because it doesn't tackle the reasons why he could act like that. One of them being that, like you know, he did trust someone and they died, or so, he did trust someone but he doesn't know about them anymore, or that like you know. Now. That should pretty much wrap up all of our an analytical stuff. Now, before we end the segment, go ahead and educate me. Who is this character we see in the end credit scene? Okay, so in the end credit scene, we see um, 
So Strange is... Oh, by the way, I like the ending, and then the end credits scene just completely did undid all the tension of the ending. Oh, yeah, we should have brought up the ending. That ending was garbage. We, what do you mean we should have? We can still bring it up. It's our podcast. We can talk about whatever we want. Yeah, this, the, the, the ending was trash. The ending was trash, and then the end no, credits... No, no, no. The ending was good, and then the end credits scene made it trash. Yeah. Which, we're now actually two for two on movies we've reviewed where the end credits scene actively detracted from the movie itself. <laughs> with Morbius starting the trend. Oh no, don't compare it to Morbius. <laughs> Morbius actively made Morbius's end credit scene actively made me despise the movie more. <laughs> That's the reason you brought it down to it too. Exactly. <laughs> like we would have been the movie would have been perfectly safe with a three. It could have been a three and nope. No, the end credit scene brought it down to a fucking two. <laughs> Anyways. So Yes. So, in the end credit scene, Doctor Strange is walking, doing his thing, and then some woman in all purple is like, Stephen Strange, you've caused an incursion. You need to help me. He pulls out the cloak of levitation out of his, um, out of his vest, and they go. So that woman, played by uh, Clarice... Is it Clarice? Clarice? Clarice Theron? Charlize Theron? Something Lee Theron. Okay. She's a famous actress. She's playing a woman named Clea. Now, in the comics, Clea is the Sorceress Supreme of the Dark Dimension. She is the niece of Dormammu. Ah. And, and I know you're looking at me like, the fuck? And, and see, the, uh, the uh, rift that she tears like implies, oh, we're going into the Dark Dimension. She probably has a connection to Dorna- Dormammu. Yes, she's So, Dor- I-, I made that connection there. Yes, she's Dormammu's niece. She's the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension. And she is Stephen Strange's wife. Ah. They are the endgame couple. Frequently, but, like, they are, they are toxic. Because both of these people are toxic as hell. Like, I mean, Stephen Strange is toxic, and Clea is toxic. Like, they are the definition of em- enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers back and back. Like, sometimes they are madly in love with each other and are fucking each other's brains out, and other times they are trying to murder each other. Like, but she's endgame. They are the endgame couple together. As it stands right now, I believe she's actually deposed of Stephen Strange. And she's now the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth in the comics right now. Oh. But, yeah, no, like, they are a couple. They are, like, the premier Marvel magic power couple. They are husband and wife. They get married. I don't think they've ever had kids, because I don't think they want kids. But, um, yeah, like, they have, like, they're, they're a couple. And I feel that now that they've introduced Clea, that they rushed Christine's arc was strange, so they're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Which also now makes me a bit upset that Strange said that I'll love you in every universe. And then the same movie introduces Clea, who is his wife in the comics, who most assuredly is going to be his next love interest, because this is Marvel, damn it. You know that they have to have all their male characters get a love interest. Hmm. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. But I've heard room, like... I haven't researched it, but a lot of people are saying this credit scene sets up Secret Wars. Oh, no. No? I mean, okay, sorry, incorrect. Yes, it does, but the Secret Wars setup was the moment someone uttered the word incursion. 
because incursion in Marvel Comics is a big deal. The word incursions in Marvel Comics is a big deal. So the first time we ever see incursions get brought up is in the beginning of Jonathan Hickman's run of the Avengers and New Avengers, where T'Challa comes out of Wakanda and him and his men see a giant earth floating above Wakanda. And then all of a sudden they see a woman come from that earth, land on Wakanda, press a button, and that earth explodes. And that woman is named Black Swan, who, to make a long story short, is part of a multiversal cult, is part of a multiversal cult that is, um, that worships Doctor Doom. Ah. But anyways, that was the first instance of incursions, and incursions is basically, how, how they work is this. Incursions work is when two universes have come dangerously close together, their Earths are going to collide. And the only way to save the universes is to, one, so how it works is when the two Earths collide, both universes are destroyed. And so what you have to do is you have to destroy one of the Earths so that the other two universes survive. But of course, this brings the moral conundrum. Who are you to determine the lives of trillions of beings? And so incursions, so then the story of the incursions becomes a long running plot thread throughout Jonathan Hickman's run, where basically while there are other stories going on, like a story where Thanos besieges Earth or a story where um, Captain America realizes that the Illuminati brainwashed him, like there's also an internal struggle within the Illuminati about the fact that like, how do we handle incursions? And so it's all a lead up to Secret Worlds because as the stories go on, incursions keep happening over and over again. And the thing about incursions is that they're like dominoes. When one falls, all will inevitably fall. And the story, the story culminates into Time Runs Out where there ends up to be only two universes left. Earth 616 and Earth 1000 and something, the Ultimate Universe, where the Ultimate Marvel Comics is... The sto- that, that's the universe where Miles Morales comes from. And it basically ends with uh, a war between the two universes, and they can't decide on what to do, so they, co- they clash, and the multiverse dies. But in that moment, Doctor Doom gains the power of the Beyonders, and he uses that power to reshape the multiverse by grabbing disparate fragments of the multiverse and colliding them together into one massive world called Battle World. And that is where Secret World, Secret Wars begins. And so, incursions, when you hear the term incursion, that means we're going Secret Wars. And so when she says, you cause an incursion, we must fix it. Obviously, that's an, another hint to Secret Wars. Because during, this, during the time run, during the time runs out, there is a group called the Black Priests, which are run by Doctor Strange. They're a multiversal cult, there are a lot of multiversal cults going on during this, this one being led by Doctor Strange. And he has been destroying universes to try and stop the incursions, while there's another group called the Cabal, which is run by Namor, Thanos, Proxima Midnight, Corvus Glaive, Maximus the Mad, Black Terax, who is a herald of Galactus, and there's one other person on the Cabal. There's one other person on the cabal. 
and they also they um they are destroying universes with UN with UN sponsorship. Yes, Thanos got sponsored to commit omnicide by the UN. <laughs> What's worse is I know you're not joking. Nope. Yep, they they, they got sponsored. They they went to they went public with Namor and Thanos and all of them went public with the incursions and they were like, here's what needs to happen. Either you let us kill these you either let us kill these worlds and stop the incursion from killing us all, or we all die. And the UN was like Okay. I mean, we want to live. Fuck them. And so, yeah, they started, you know, doing the whole uh, murder-rape planets, and yeah. Fun. But yeah, Clea, the whole end credit scene is definitely, in my opinion, setting up the fact that Strange is going to become the head of the... I mean, is it the Black Priest, or is it the Ivory Kings? Lots of multiverse cults going on here. I'm going to look this up really quickly... Um, was it the Black Priest or the Ivory King? There was a lot of factions going on in the background. Huh. Yeah, there were a lot of factions going on in the background during this. There like, was... the more that this settles in my head... Also, Jonathan Hickman's run was effectively Civil War Two, but done right. Oh, God, please don't bring up Civil War Two. It was done before Civil War Two. Oh, it was done before Civil War Two because it was Captain America's Avengers when Captain America was the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. hunting down the Illuminati because the Illuminati lied about what they were doing with the incursions and a lot of members of the Avengers had moral obligate had moral um, disagreements. Yes, moral disagreements to what the Illuminati was doing and destroying universes. And so they wanted to hunt them down because they were criminals. And that effectively caused a bit of a civil war because then there was a third faction that was like, can't we all get along and figure out something? So, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes, the enlightened centrist approach. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Black Priests. Let me just make sure. I it was the Black Priest, yes. Yeah, Doctor Strange runs the Black Priests. Yeah. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, like... Like, everything I've seen of the multiversal saga is pretty good. But, like, being the next saga after the Infinity Saga... It's the only one we could go to, to be perfectly honest with you. You think there's so? Only, there's only been, like, um... Yeah, there's only been, um, like... There's only been, like, a handful that could rival it. And Secret Wars is the only thing you could really do. Unlike, um... Yeah, because I mean, like, I guess that's pretty accurate. Because like, yeah, is there anything else that that rivals it aside from the Infinity Saga? No, or like, or the Infinity Gauntlet storyline? No, it's really only Secret Wars is the really big thing that you go for, like the big overarching storyline. Because after Secret Wars and the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, what else is there? Civil War, which of course was already touched and doesn't even come the, close so, to. See, after that, you would have to do disparate storylines. Because then you have you have something called a... I mean, you could do the whole Phoenix Saga again. For a third time? Uh, I mean, that's the only one I can think of. Oh, uh, but the, the, both times they handle the Phoenix, uh, or, the, or just Jean Grey in general, just... Yeah, because, I mean, I'm thinking about it, I mean... There's not much you can do outside of Secret Wars because they're all, they've already done so many major storylines. 
They've already done so many major storylines that we're kind of running out of, like, big-name Marvel storylines. Like, I mean, we could do Annihilation, where it's the Annihilation Wave, but that's ostensibly a space opera. And also took place during Civil War in the comics. Now, you could do Annihilation, and you could make Earth a part of that story, but I don't know if Annihilus will carry the same weight as... Looking back... Civil War doesn't, like, maintain the hype that it is in the comics. It doesn't. Because there's not, there were not, there were not many characters to do it with. Yeah, they did Civil War way too early. Yeah, but then remember, that was during a time where they had no clue they were going to be able to get the rest of the Marvel Universe together. Yeah. And so they were working with what they got. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, see, that's the thing. With DC, there are several events you can go to that you can always build up to. You can start out with Crisis on Infinite Earths, then you can go to Zero Hour Crisis in Time, you can then go to Infinite Crisis, you can then go to Final Crisis, you can do Flashpoint, you can do Dark Knight's Metal, you can do Death Metal, you can do Dark Crisis, you can do the Great Darkness Saga of the the Legion of Superhero further down the line. Like, there are so many different things that you can do. But with Marvel, they don't do that because Marvel doesn't do big crisis crossover events in the way DC does. Like, DC has so many. You have, like I said, you have the various crises, you have Blackest Night, you have Brightest Day, you have the Sinestro Core War, you have JLA versus Titans, the Technus Imperative. You have so many different stories you can tell that could have big lead-ups. Marvel doesn't have that in the same way. Because Marvel's big lead-up stories usually are because... Because Marvel is... It's just, it's just the multiverse is such a like huge aspect that I would like for them to like settle on the MCU a bit before but they... Also, ta- but also, it's just... Think of the different factions and how big... Think of the different stories in Marvel and how big they are. Like, you have the Avengers and their whole universe. But then you also have Spider-Man and his whole universe of characters. You have the X-Men and their universe of characters. You have all the cosmic heroes and their universe of characters. The magic heroes and their universe. The Fantastic Four and... So on and so forth. Yeah, I guess, like, from this phase going forward, we're going to see a massive branching out, which it's a shame they haven't brought Inhumans in after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and haven't touched on X-Men yet. Well, obviously, X-Men is too new. Yeah, X-Men will be coming very soon, but not even Inhumans. Like, we got Black Bolt, and he's only showed up in one other, like, series. And mind you, it's an extremely obscure one at that. Like, obscure one and also the worst rated MCU property of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not looking for... I mean, I am looking forward to some things. Like, I am looking forward to She-Hulk. I am looking forward to Spider-Man Freshman Year. I am looking forward to Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, I am not looking forward to Black Panther 2. Um, I I hope they're hiding something behind the scenes. I hope that behind the scenes they have already recast Chadwick Boseman and are just hiding that from us because oh, that is the only way that movie that is the only way that that movie is going to be successful is if they have already recast Chadwick Boseman because at this point his family has come out and said just recast him already. Yeah. Like I, for me personally, like the, if they're if they're holding that behind the scenes, 
fine. Yeah. Otherwise, I have no faith in that movie. Not yeah, gonna lie. I don't either, to be honest. Like, the things I'm mainly looking forward to is Secret Invasion, Moon Knight Season 2, whenever it happens, Loki Season 2, What If Season 2. Um, I'm mainly just looking forward to Disney Plus shows more than I'm looking forward to movies, to be honest with you. Yeah, because... Multiverse oh, Blade. Of... I'm looking forward to Blade. Multiverse of Madness was supposed to be the big one. Was supposed to be the best one of all time. Which also, you know, Marvel got real lucky this movie didn't come out when the Batman came out. Oh, yeah. They would have gotten blown the fuck out. Yeah. And I do want to bring up one other thing. Because, because this movie doesn't handle like the concept of the multiverse that well... I'm sorry to say, but this is not the best multiversal movie in theaters right now. That award goes to everything, everywhere, all at once. I haven't seen that. Yeah. I know two, like two or three weeks ago I advocated for going to see it blind, but at this point it's been in theaters for three to four weeks. It's your fault for not seeing it. So that movie handles like the craziness of the multiverse so much better. I mean, mind you, we only travel to like... Actually we don't travel between universes we stay in the main universe but we see elements of like 15 plus universes and after seeing how crazy that movie was i didn't see anything as crazy as that in a multiverse of madness do you know what's so sad what we still have the flash coming out Ugh. like i i wanted to see something as good in Multiverse of Madness, as I saw the character from Everything Everywhere All at Once utilizing her her character's experiences in the universe where people have hot dogs for fingers and actually able to use that in a fight. Like, I wanted to see something on the level as that, and we didn't. Because, honestly, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a 9 for me. That movie is fantastic. Like, we see, cra like, the craziness in the spans of the multiverse just completely compounded onto one person, and she has to acknowledge it and take, in a, take it all in at once as, it's, as the concept of the multiverse is taught to her. Yeah. And meanwhile, in this, we see, like, four universes. Yeah. I'm, I'm also excited for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Because that's going to handle the multiverse better. Uh, if I, if we can trust Sony, if we can trust. I mean, Sony. we trusted them enough to do Into the Spider Verse, and they did it well. Oh, and that was that was after they did the Emoji Movie, which uh, we did not trust them for that. Let's be fair here. So they, I mean, listen, they have uh, listen, they've built up some. Listen, Sony has done well, honestly. Spider Man based multiverse movies, Morbius <laughs> notwithstanding. No, 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 the Sony Verse, no. I, like, I mean, when you think about it, No Way Home as well as Into the Spider-Verse, we're good. Yeah. Great movies. And then we have Morbius, and we don't talk about that. And Venom is lucky that it's enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Both Venom movies are Venom lucky. Venom is lucky that Tom Hardy is a great actor. <laughs> yeah. Literally writes good chemistry between characters, and then proceeds to throw up on the script. <laughs> yep. like literally they wrote the perfect script and then they threw up over it and the only thing they that didn't get caught in the uh in the throw up is literally the chemistry between the characters yeah 
But over. I think at this point we've now moved past talking about Doctor Strange. The movie's about a 5 for me. 4.5 for me. It the more was... I think about this movie, the worse the st- score is going to get, so don't ask me about it anymore. Yeah, it's just, it didn't live up to the expectations we had for it. We thought it was supposed to be a status quo changing movie that was going to be very high on showing like the wackiness of the multiverse, as well as like, we, we knew, we wanted it to be... For me, I wanted it to be a horror movie that was both status quo changing and was going to show the 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 awe-inspiring nature of the multiverse. But without that even like in consideration, the character writing was awful, the pacing was awful. Yeah. And just the, the action first... set pieces were cool. Um I could give fuck all if there were more cameos or not. Like to be honest, honest, honest like I could give fuck all if there were more or not to be honest. I don't really give a fuck about if there were more cameos because... I mean, honestly, like, Fantastic or Mr. Fantastic and Professor X were enough for me. It's just the way they handled it were really bad. Yeah, like, like I mean, I, I, I was... Loved, I loved seeing Patrick Stewart in there. That was awesome. I was happy to see Ansem Mount back just because that means, oh, great, thank God, even though the Inhuman show was terrible, we're not going to punish the actors. <laughs> they only had to work with what they were given with. Don't punish them. Give them a second chance. So I'm happy Ansem Mount got to come back. And hopefully that means he gets to come back in more stuff. Oh man, I wish they carried the Inhuman storyline more. Because I mean, after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, that was pretty much dropped. Do you know what's the biggest dropped Inhuman storyline from the MCU? What's that? What happened to that one Indian woman's brother? Oh, you're going to have to remind me. What season was that? Uh, he was an inhuman, went under uh, Terragenesis, and then he fell out of a helicopter into the ocean and then started going under Terragenesis again. Oh. And then he never showed up again! (laughs) Uh, That one Indian woman. She was part of the Watchdogs, the anti-inhuman hate group. Yeah. And then her brother was an inhuman. That's right. And then he fell into the ocean, and then he went under Terra Genesis, and we've never seen him again! Um, I just want to... What happened to him?! I just want to see the S.H.I.E.L.D. characters again. I want to see Daisy again. I want to see Daisy. I want to see Fitz. I want to see... I want to see May. I want to see Coulson. Especially because Daisy would be a very good leader nowadays. She's in space, though. The Marvels? Maybe. Maybe. I mean... I mean, mean, Nick Fury's up there. Yeah. Especially because since S.W.O.R.D. has now been retconned to just be a ground base instead of space... Maybe we get the S.H.I.E.L.D. characters as the space characters, since they've already had experience there. Maybe. I mean, they've been doing space travel for... I mean, all of them have done space travel for extended periods of time. I, I also want to see the shotgun axe back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but moving on, we. I said this was going to be an hour-long segment. We are now an hour, 40 minutes in. Yeah, so let's, so, uh, uh, let's move on to our politics segments, of which there are two. And let's start with the... More depressing one, the Israeli Defense Force and their terrorist actions yeah. that they've committed lately. So, uh, I have not done a lot of research on this, so you're going to have to take the lead for the beginning of this. So, basically what's been going on is, if you don't know, um, the Israeli Defense Force and Israel at large has basically, and I will not mince words here, and if YouTube wants to fucking, you know, strike down the holy, their holy, the, the, judgment against me uh israel is committing open-air genocide against palestinians it has been known that they've been doing this for a while as part of their ongoing 
conflict, as I, politely as I can say, ongoing conflict that they have with the Palestinians. And right now they are doing open-air genocide. And a lot of their... Um, and so... A lot of their... Um, blah, 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 a lot of... They gain a lot of criticism for... Well, not criticism from Americans, but they gain a lot of criticism internationally for their horrible actions. Recently, they assassinated a Al Jazeera journalist who is a pro... She's notable for being a very pro-Palestine journalist who's been covering a lot of the horrible crimes and just horrible things that the Israeli Defense Force and the Israeli government have been doing against the people of Palestine. And she was recently assassinated. Her name is Shireen Abu... Shibi... Shireen Abu Akleh, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she was a 51-year-old journalist for Al Jazeera, and she was murdered recently, which, if you don't know, killing journalists is a war crime. It is illegal. You cannot kill journalists. They are civilians. They are non-combatants. She was assassinated. And if you seek out the videos, because we will not be linking it because that's terms of service, she was murdered brutally. She was shot in the neck by an IDF sniper, an IDF sniper, and then whenever someone tried to go out to help her, the sniper shot at them to prevent anyone from giving her medical aid, ensuring that she would bleed to death from her wounds. Wow. And it's been a while since the uh, Israel-Palestine conflict was really in the public media sphere for quite a while what, what has it been like maybe a year and a half it's been a year since we last talked about them well we haven't talked about them really on the podcast but it's been a year since they were last brought up in um public news because because what was the last thing to happen in that area that was so consequential i know like a lot of funding was um given to them recently and aoc got a lot of for, flack for, for the that. iron uh, for the iron dome yeah. which ostensibly the iron dome is not the biggest issue yeah. with it. the iron dome is like it's not the biggest issue it's a symptom of the wider issue because the iron dome is really just for the whole uh, balloon and bottle rockets that get shot over the border at uh civilians from that palestinian that hamas shoots over to palestinians yeah. not palestinians to, to israelis. israelis but and the Iron Dome is supposed to protect against that, but that's really neither here nor there when the real issue is the IDF as well as the colonialism that the Israeli government has been doing to Palestinians. Because the, the whole conflict of that area is the conflict of, between who should own that land, Israel or Palestine. Well, not even just who should own that land. Or just who has... who um, Which group... How do I word this properly? It's which group has the right to live there. Right. But also, at this point, is are Palestinians considered human? Because ostensibly, the Israeli government and many Israeli people do not consider Palestinians to be even human. Because they treat them like slaves. They treat them like slaves. They yeah, like, It almost seems like they murder them for sport. Like, listen to any civilian that talks about them. They just... They, they, they... sound like Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, honestly, which is really fucked up considering that many of the people currently living in Israel are direct descendants of Holocaust survivors. Yet they are openly committing just another version of it against the native population of Palestine. Yeah. 
And there is no need to mince words there. That is entirely accurate. Yeah, no. There, I am not going to in any way try to, like, like try to downplay what's happening. No, Israel is wrong. Israel as a nation, and when I say Israel as a nation, I mean its government and its military is evil. They are evil, they are committing a genocide, and they have committed untold atrocities to perpetrate the, per perpetrate this violence. And right now they have just murdered an innocent journalist. They are trying to claim that, oh, Hamas did it, and that, oh, she was killed by a Palestinian while she was with IDF soldiers. Wrong. That is propaganda. It is not true. She was murdered while being with other journalists. There were no IDF soldiers that she was standing with. The only IDF soldier there was the sniper that killed her. This yeah. is evil. It is war crimes. It is, once again, another act of barbarism committed by the IDF and the Israeli government to just make the Palestinian people suffer. And it's really terrible, especially because any dis any um not discourse the word I'm looking for disagreements that native um, Israelis have to the current IDF treatment and the current Israeli government treatment to the Palestinians by native Israelis gets shouted down tremendously. They get framed as well as international allies get framed as being anti-Semitic for yep. being against the state of Israel, which is not true whatsoever, because being anti-Semitic is being against Jewish people. Israel is not all Jewish people. Israel is a country. Yeah, and that that kind of like disagreement is especially prevalent in the States, too. Oh, because it's, it's, like prevalent whenever, in, it's prevalent in the States. Because whenever people in the States try to support uh, Palestine, people immediately jump on your throat. And it's such a massive like an infuriating impediment because we see people out there who are being treated like they're subhuman and just because we have morals they get shit on for it and the problem is is that in america the reason why america supports israel is threefold one war hawks and conservatives hate brown people so there's that two Israel is a superpower in the region. Israel allows America to keep their interest in the Middle East strong. Because Israel, in a lot of ways, is a glorified American military base. But third of all, and the most insidious in my opinion, is that many people, specifically conservatives and the evangelical conservatives of that, support Israel because they want the gathering of the Jews in the Holy Land so that they can bring about the rapture where all the Jews will die and thus the holy and chosen Christians will be brought to heaven while the rest of the world is consumed in hellfire as Satan and his demons come over and take over the earth and subject us all to just hell. Yeah. yeah. So that's the real reason why people in the States will try to vehemently defend Israel. It's mainly because they want the rapture to happen and they want all the Jews there to be as many and as prosperous as possible so they can then be murdered in mass for the rapture. Yeah, and I hate to sound like America-centric, but America has a massive foothold in Israel. And I it mean, has a... that's not American-centric. That's just the fact. That's just facts. It does. Of all I the mean... countries on planet Earth, America is Israel's biggest supporter. Because... What did Trump move over to Israel again? He moved the embassy to Jerusalem, which yeah. is big because that is massively disrespectful 
to the three Abrahamic religions. As Jerusalem is a holy city for all three. And in making it so that Jerusalem is considered Israeli, and that basically pushes out the Muslims, it causes issues for any Jews in Jerusalem that may disagree with it, and furthers the evangelical Christian crusade of making it so that the Jews are gathered in the Holy Land of Jerusalem, so when the rapture happens, they will all die. So yeah, our actions in that in, in that region literally cause many, 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 many issues. Yes, but mind you, it's not just our actions. The country of Israel, and when I mean the country, I mean the government. The government and its military are horrible. They... I just bring that up to justify, like, why, like, considering America's actions are important one considering that that situation yeah no um is israel as a country its government is horrible they treat the palestinians terribly they do not allow their citizens to meaningfully be able to disagree with the treatment of the palestinians and unfortunately it is mandatory for i believe it's mandatory for pretty much all adults to join the idf for mandatory service of i believe two to five years wow so many people, like um, Gal Gadot, for example, she's Israeli. She was in the IDF. Yeah. Mind and you, I don't think... Um, do you know who I believe... Who else was it? Um, uh, the, the Natalie Portman. Wow. Mind you, they are... I don't believe they are pro-IDF or pro um, what is, Israel is doing to Palestine, but it's just they had to do it. Yeah. I believe Natalie Portman's from Israel. I know Gal Gadot for sure is from Israel and she was in the IDF. Yeah. But I do not believe she supports what the IDF is doing now. Yeah. I mean, just that practice alone is, like, of course, to America, it's very foreign, but... It's done in a lot of countries, because South like, Korea, Korea does. Korea does it, too. Yeah, Korea, South Korea I'm does aware it Korea well. does it as well, because I know a lot of K-pop stars have to do it as well. They're, they're pretty much obligated to do that. Yeah, not just K-pop stars. I was thinking of, um, what was it, um, uh, fighting game. Especially in the Tekken scene, a lot of Korean players will retire from playing competitive Tekken. Because they have to go, they have to go and do their mandatory military service. Wow. Yeah, no, Natalie Portman was in the IDF as well. Okay. Yeah, that's just a, it's just a very unfortunate situation because. Or she was at least born in. Um, she was at least born in in Israel. I don't know if she lived there long enough to have to enroll in the IDF. Yeah, because how old was she when when she did um, Attack of the Clones? She was like a teenager. Yeah, so maybe not. Maybe she didn't have to go to the IDF. But Gal Gadot definitely did have to join the IDF. Yeah. But uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, just the situation is very important. Uh, is very just tragic. And just shows Israel's... Like the lengths they will go. And just ignoring of all war crimes. Yeah. To get what they need. Moving on. And so, overall, just, I guess, foreign policy is a mess right now. It's not just that foreign policy is a mess, it's just, or domestic, or, dom or it's foreign just, affairs. It's just terrible. It's just evil. Yeah. It's just evil. And it's, it's unfortunate that dealing with all our problems, we're still probably the most well-off country compared to everyone else. Yeah. I like, mean, we have all of our shit going on, yeah. and yet, like, we're still leagues better in comparison. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, we're still talking here about, like, the inevitable rise of fascism, yet 
we're still probably doing better than like ninety percent of countries. Yeah, we're still definitely doing like at least we have the Palestinians like, that are at currently least we dealing have, with this genocide. Like at least we have a semblance of a democracy here. Yeah. I mean, in Palestine, they don't they don't get to have that. They they just get bombs and colonialism and beaten by soldiers and having their drinking water siphoned and it's yeah. horrible. But moving on, moving on to our final segment, which is us going to be talking about how conservatives and when I say conservatives, I mean conservative politicians and pundits are demons they are ontologically categorically evil and of they course ever since the uh, leak of the roe v wade decision um brett kavanaugh and clarence thomas have since said that they will side with alito's decision on roe v wade trying to overturn it and now republicans have gone well just when you thought they couldn't get more mask off just when you thought the mask was on the ground they decided to not just leave the mask on the ground, they stomp on it, and then burn it. They now want to outlaw contraception. Yeah, a lot of... So, there are... I believe there is one candidate right now who's running for GOP primaries. I think it's in a Midwestern state. Who says... Or no, actually, is it Arizona? I think it's Arizona. Yeah, I think it's Arizona... So then a GOP Senate candidate calls for condoms to be banned in all states. Oh, so I was right. Yes. Then there's Missouri. Because he's going against Mark Kelly, right? Yeah. Then there's also Missouri is joining Louisiana and making IUDs in Plan B illegal. And an Idaho state rep says that he wants legislation banning Plan B and IUDs. Oh, God. Wow. IUDs and Plan B? Yes. This is not about children this is not about protecting children this was never about being pro-life this was about being evil they want to see you suffer they want to see you in pain they want to control every facet of your life because they think you are lesser they think that you are subhuman they do not like you they want to see you kill yourself republicans are fucking evil uh now that pretty much just limits anybody's ability to be able to plan ahead because let's just be honest here our current economy right now is not is not able to support current generations having kids yeah and now with less and less people wanting to have kids these actions actively target these generations yeah the reason why they do this is twofold in my opinion one, they want to control sex, and they want to control the bodies of women. But I also feel not a lot of people talk about, but they want to control the bodies of men. And here's how this works. By making it so that women, by making it so that casual sex is so vilified, they make it so that women will always be slut-shamed and forced into committing pregnancies. But they also get to play off of the fact that men already suffer tremendously under the crushing weight of the patriarchy and toxic masculinity and masculine gender roles and they want to use that as a continuous radicalization tool to keep young men angry and disenfranchised and isolated so that they will constantly need something to blame it is exactly how gamergate started which allowed for this giant alt-right movement which was basically playing off of the frustrations and specifically the rampant sexual frustration of really just straight men 
And by doing this, by causing this massive amount of restriction, you are allowing that to fester even more because we now live in an age of technology. So now more than ever, not only will men be able to look at say pornography, but they will still most definitely be able to see some aspects of modern dating. But with now these restrictions put in place, it makes it so that modern dating is more difficult and thus more frustrating. Thus, you now continually have a group of people that are constantly isolated and sexually frustrated and wanting to break away, but don't know how to. And so then they get to turn that anger and frustration at the system towards the disadvantaged to make them be the reason why they are suffering. Y'all better be paying for my vasectomy, I swear to God. I mean... Y'all better do that. I just hate... I just... I, I hate Republican politicians. I hate their pundits. I think they are evil. I think they are literal demons. Like, if there is a hell, they are demons. They are literally the scourge of the planet. They need to be taken out of office. They need to be arrested and jailed because they are evil people. All they really want to do is see you suffer. They want to see you suffer so they can make money and fuck your children and rape them and turn them into slaves so they can impregnate them so they can then fuck and rape the children that they got from their slaves. They are evil, horrid people. They are evil. I cannot stress enough how evil they are. The, the amount of untold suffering and pain they want to inflict upon the people of this country and the world at large is limitless because conservatism at its core is a death cult. It is constantly trying to push people out. There always needs to be an out group because so long as there's an out group, there's someone to blame until there is only two people left and one of them kills the other and the last one kills themselves. It is a death cult that wants nothing but pain and sorrow and suffering. And that is what these people want out of you. This is just one of the many ways that they want to do it. By, by, um, by taking away your sexual freedom, by your ability to control your own body. It is just one way they want to break you down. It is another way they want to isolate you. Just like how they're trying to make sure that unionization efforts don't happen. So then you can't even find solidarity within your fellow worker. It's why they try to break up families by trying to create these arbitrary cultural war issues about critical race theory and about being trans or gay. It's all to break you down. It's all to keep you isolated because they need you to be that. Because that is how they're able to succeed it is evil to its highest degree they fundamentally want to destroy human connections they want to destroy the essence of humanity they want to make us hate each other they want us to be stratified they want us to be separate they are evil they are fucking evil they are demons and honestly honestly i wish a revolution in roblox happened to them hmm. yeah but ultimately, the left is still gaining power. We still are. Oh. I mean, unionization efforts are definitely skyrocketing, especially at Starbucks. Oh, yeah. God, Starbucks but is doing numbers. Or no, they're going to be losing numbers because of the unions. They are going... No, no I meant the Starbucks unions are doing numbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you just said Starbucks are doing no, numbers. No, no, no. Starbucks unions are doing numbers, which is good. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Ultimately, we still have a like we still have a path at, at the end of the day. Yes, we, we just we have a long fight. Yes, it, it is going to take a lot of work yes. and a lot of 
just collaboration between people. And that's like, why we are screaming about how they are evil, because that is supposed to get you into high gear to go vote. Vote, people. Go vote. Go participate in your local elections. Go to your city council meetings. Try to run if you need to. Support people that have your opinions. But we need to get rid of these fucking demons. We need to get them out of office. We need to make sure that their harmful rhetoric and their actions no longer affect us. We need to get them out of office. So vote. 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 This is not a time to lay down and die. This is not a time to give up all hope. This is a time to vote because now more than ever, we have the power to stop these demons dead in their tracks. We need to vote. We need to not give up on electoralism. We need to not give up in the powers that we do have. They may be evil. They may be demons and they may be trying to kill you at every turn, but you should not lay down and take it. You need to fight them. Just as how people in the past fought for the rights that we have now, we need to fight to preserve those rights. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we are strongest united. We are. They are trying to isolate us. They are trying to create outgroups upon outgroups upon outgroups. They are trying to disenfranchise people. They are trying to make people feel separate. They are trying to get people to kill themselves. They are trying to take away aspects of control of our very being. Do not let them. Fight them. Protest them at their houses. Protest them at their workplaces. Fight them at every term. Ratio them on Twitter. Blast their dirty laundry. Beat them in elections. Run ads. Do canvassing. Do whatever you can to stop these people. And you have to pay attention because, mind you, we're already into May of 2022. Several primaries have already happened in the past two weeks. Yes. So, and a lot more are coming in the next month, running yes. up until probably August. Yes. Like, thankfully for our state, we have to wait until August, so we have some time to look into our candidates. Not all of you are that lucky. Unfortunately. Not all of you are that lucky. You gotta, you, some of you have gotta decide within the next, like, three weeks. Yeah. And unfortunately, when we say vote, we do mean vote blue. We do not like the Democratic Party. We think they are ineffectual. We think that they are just literally just, what is the best word to describe just how infuriating they are? They're complicit. Yeah, they are very much complacent with the, with the systems that are currently in place. They're complacent and complicit. Exactly. <laughs> However, they are not demonic fascists. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the, fa the fastest way to get to get ourselves into the system is through the democratic party at the end of the day voting third party unfortunately just doesn't work in a system that we have which is first past the post you need to vote blue until we can get enough progressives where we can abolish first past the post so then we can start having a parliamentary system or a confederacy system where we can allow for multiple parties we need to infiltrate the democratic party we need to beat the we need to beat the long-standing democrats and replace them with progressives so or, then we can fight we can take the fight to the fascists so we help. can reform the system and then abolish it or help maybe our, the next uh goal that we got to reach is uh meeting the goals for i think it's the interstate compound or something like that interstate compact interstate compact 
Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Is the is not abolishing the electoral college, but pretty much skirting it in a, the most legal way possible. Yes, I mean the end goal is to abolish the electoral college, abolish the Senate, and inevitably, eventually, hundreds of years from now. Abolish the concept of the nation-state. Thousands of years from now, let's be honest here. Yes, inevitably, to uh, abolish the nation-state. But before we can ever think about that, we need to beat the fascists that are currently trying to murder us. Please, vote blue. Not because you have to like the Democrats, but because when Republicans are in power, they do this shit. We are in this situation because Donald Trump was allowed to be president for four years. He was allowed to put three Supreme Court judges on the bench, and that galvanized the massive amounts of Republicans on state and local legislatures to be able to do whatever fuck shit they want. And also, we need to make sure we don't see a repeat. And also, we need to get blue. Sorry, yeah. We need to make sure we get Democrats in party because that prevents Republicans from stacking the deck like they are doing right now. And also, just anti-electoralist thought just makes you just. I mean, that will just force you just not, like internally not to go to the polls. Say you've got a, a city comptroller that's actually pretty progressive. If you're anti-electoralism or anti, an anti-electoralist, you're never going to find out about that person. Also, if you're anti-electoralist, you are just as complicit as these demons are because you are stopping people from trying to use their voice for the, for the better. You are actively contributing to the harm because you are making it so that people don't oppose these demons. When you're anti-electoralism, you are not helping people. All you are doing is making it so that there is no opposition to these demons. You will then sit there from your let's be honest here, privileged position where you will not be affected by the changes that these people do until the people roll up at your doorstep with guns in hands and send you to a concentration camp. Thankfully, this solely looks like a mostly terminally online position, but, but we could always see this position devolve further and further up, and, up until complete... Like, I mean, remember uh, how the alt-right started. It was terminally online, straight, like, insecure white boys. But now look where we're at. Yeah. I mean, one guy getting mad at his girlfriend getting a good game review because he was mad that she broke up with him. And look at the fuck shit we gotta deal with now. Yep. Yep. Please vote. Please, for the love of God, vote. You, I, like, I, I don't like framing it this way. But it is a fight between good and evil. Because Republicans, like, and once again, I say Republicans, I mean their legislators, the politicians, and the pundits, and some of their supporters, but not all. They are fucking demons! And for those that aren't, you have the power to change their mind. Now, please don't spend your time trying to change your Q-adjacent parents. Unless you know, unless you absolutely know you can! Use your time efficiently. Try to change as most people as you can and use compassion. Do not own them in the, uh, do not own them in the, uh... Do not uh, own them in the marketplace of ideas. There we go, thank you. Because that is not how you change people's opinions. 
that is how you get people ingrained further in their opinions. Yes, notice how notice how when people like when figureheads get owned in the marketplace of ideas, they don't immediately change their positions. They stomp their feet, go on Twitter, and find like one grammar problem that allows them to win the argument three days later. Let's... The only the, the good thing about debate is that it allows the audience when you're debating someone you are usually not trying to convince the person you are debating. You are trying to convince their audience. But ultimately, when it comes to familial relationships, compassion no, sure. is the best way to go. You have to be compassionate. That's you have to have a level of patience. But mind you, please use self-care. If you are not mentally able to handle the hatred and vitriol of trying to convince your Q-adjacent or your alt-right or your whatever family member, take care of yourself and back away. Honestly. You don't need to do it. It's good if you can, but you don't need to. And also, please do so if it's safe for you to do so. If it will subject you to more abuse, obviously, do not try and challenge them, as your worries should be about trying to escape the abuse, not trying to endure the abuse for some type of political goal. You're much better off being in a healthier, safer position politically than trying to fight against people in an unsafe position. Yes. At the end of the day, we just we see a lot of doomer pill, uh, pills being ingested. Just want to give some hope. Yes. Because ultimately, there's still a path for victory. Yeah, so when we scream about Republicans being demons and they're evil and all the evil shit we're doing, we're not doing they're it to doing. be... They're doing. <laughs> we're not doing it to be doomer. We're doing it to kick your asses in gear so we can fight them. Because I don't know about you people, but I'm not sitting down for this shit. If the day comes, if the if their quote unquote day of the rope comes, I'm sorry, but I am Robloxing a metric fuck ton of all of them. I don't care how many of them end up going oof in Roblox. I'll do it. <laughs> and I'm I'm willing to do it. So please fight these people. Fight them at every turn. Protest them. Protest them. Boycott them. Argue with them if it's working. Canvas. Do phone banks. Vote. Join your unions. Support unions. Create unions. Do whatever you can to reduce the harm. And for those who feel like they have the ability to change the minds of their peers, remember, the Socratic method is very effective. Just it's annoying. It's pedantic. But it's People will think you're be. a dick, but it works. It works. It works all the time. It works because uh, who knew that the most annoying philosopher actually had a point there? And for those of you that don't know the Socratic message, just say why. Literally. Just keep saying why. If you keep asking them why, they will inevitably break down because conservative ideology is not predicated on logic, it's predicated on emotion. So literally just asking them why over and over again will inevitably show the hypocrisies within their arguments. But mind you, you will look like a massive fucking dick, and you will feel like a massive dick. So please only employ this against people that you honestly do not care to have a relationship with. Actually, no, I disagree. Because you can, you can, you can deploy the Socratic method very effectively and compassionately. I disagree with that notion, actually. Because you can just say, well, why do you feel this way? And just, just the way you frame it could be very effective. Actually, I do rescind that. I, I agree with Sovereign, actually. There is a way to do it without being malicious and with, and being compassionate. 
because ultimately, it's just not employed that way normally, but there is a way to do it. I, because I ultimately, agree, at, the, at the end of the day, the Socratic method should be used to get down to the nitty-gritty of what people believe. And once you get there, and you find your path to, like, like show them the way, take it. I know that took every bit of you to not die laughing when you said that sentence. What happened? Show them the way. This is the way. No, no, I thought that, that, Ebola. Stop fucking clicking! Stop clicking! <laughs> Mecca, Eli! <laughs> but yes. I don't know the way! <laughs> but yes, we need to, we do need to just yeah. fight them. The, the, at the end of the day, this segment is about fighting them. Fighting yeah. them at every turn and, and not giving them the satisfaction of seeing you down and out. And sometimes that takes more than just a check mark. Sometimes it is just sitting down with your peers at times and when they spew a bad opinion, just confront them on it. Don't be super aggro on it. Just say, hey, this is what I feel. If you have any other questions, just yeah. just, just ask me. Be, be open to them asking you questions because if they question or if they ask what you feel about uh, a certain problem or like a certain situation and how your ideology fits into that that's our you already got them by the hook yeah and there are ways to also do this like one way where i tell people about my beliefs and i get people to agree with me is honestly i just try to be really funny you have no idea how good being humorous is at getting people to see where you're coming from because i mean you can look, make people laugh you can get people to kind of see where you're coming from. I mean, look at how long it took for progressives and liberals to realize that progr- or conservatives are inherently funny to make fun of. It took a while, but once we got to it, you can't what, unsee once it. Once we got to it. You like, can't unsee it. Like, once you realize how, like, bitch-made they are. Like, um... The, the best example is watch, if you have never seen this channel, I'm, I'm, watch I'm, Channel 5 and watch them interview crazy conservatives that try to protest the satanic temple. It is hilarious seeing how bitch made, how fucking, like how they fucking internally sputter and self-destruct inside like error, 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 well, because well, they have well, no internal consistency. Well, if you if you see, uh, if a, a, a p-word is uh, that way, then you, you need to see a doctor about that. <laughs> Thank you. Th- thank you, Dr. Shapiro, and how you, do- you don't have sex. How you do- who, who was the... Oh, yeah, it was um, Michael Knowles. Michael Knowles just doesn't... Does, that just does not know that clitorises can be erect. Listen, if you work for the Daily Wire... I, I Honestly, if you work for the Daily Wire, like I just think you're a pathetic person that has never seen a vagina in your life. Even if you have a vagina and you work for the Daily Wire, you have never seen your own vagina. (laughs) (coughs) Oh, God. You made me contract COVID. Okay, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're done today. Sovereign is in a coughing fit. He's going to die. But, yes, please fight these demons. Please fight these demons. And spread this video, because it's a virus. I hate you. (laughs) Honestly, why? Why did you have to finish with that? Honestly. Why? 
<laughs> no, that was disgusting. <laughs> I'm not reviving him. If he keels over, I'm not reviving him. He's going to die in my room. He's just going to die. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Ooh. Yeah, we're done today. Um, this was... It was good. Honestly, um, we had to bring a bit of levity to the end, but please, in all seriousness, please fight these people. They are demons and they are trying to ruin at, our lives. At the end of the day, our still our channel focus is still to fight the doomerism. That is exactly. that is ultimately my biggest goal. Yeah, I do not ever want us to come to doomerism. So even when we talk about how all these people are doing evil things and how there's so much evil happening in the world, this is not supposed to get you to be depressed and be like, oh, woe is me, what is the point? The point is to kick your ass into high gear and be like, wow, there's evil out in this world and I didn't know about it. We should do something about it. Yes. Anyways. Um, yeah, this was a uh, good episode. Um, remember. We'll most likely see you next week. Remember, just keep your keep your heads up. Because if we let down even just one bit, they'll take advantage of it. Yep. We love you all. Um, please, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe, like, comment, subscribe, share, follow us on all the things. Share this to your family, your friends, your dog, your cat, your finstas, your spams. All of that. Send it to your boss and demand unions. <laughs> all right. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. I'm, uh, I'm your host, uh, Shani. And I'm your host,